0: all looking at me saying what are we going to do so no one has the answer firstly (laughs) wish i did um but all we can do is to keep moving forward and um, keep working and we don't like sitting around. We're not we're hospitality workers. So for us to say, oh, everyone go home, have a long weekend, is all good. But you can't just watch. You can't watch it burn. You've got to do something. You've got to keep working.
1: Today on Dirty Linen, we are heading to Brisbane, which is in the midst. We don't exactly know the it, what, where the middle is, but they're in a lockdown, uh, mooted for three days at the start of the week, and potentially lifting today. We'll, we'll soon find out. The lockdown has coincided with the end of JobKeeper. It's also Easter, a busy holiday period. The consequences are pretty crushing for hospitality businesses. We're talking today to Jerome Dalton, who runs a Brisbane-based catering and events business and is certainly well-positioned to talk about where things are at. So Jerome, thanks for coming along to have a chat. How are you going?
0: (laughs) Um, good, yeah, as, as well as can be expected up, up here. Yeah. It's been a difficult, uh, difficult week or difficult year. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, when you start saying it's been a difficult year, it's, it's, uh, it's a long time to endure this sort of stuff, for sure. Yeah. Mm.
1: Tell me about the impacts of this lockdown.
0: Uh, so this, one, this one's a little bit different, I guess, to the others because of well, a few reasons. The first is end of JobKeeper uh, anniversary of the same day. Um, that we went into lockdown again. Uh, the second is it was kind of couldn't, we didn't see it coming. It, it looked like, um, there was going to be no, no great issue. Um, yeah. And then so, look, for the effect for, for, for most people is the same as last time. We've got no support in industry, we've got no, uh, backup. We've all just reinvested again, which I guess puts on, on top of it as well. I guess it's the same in Melbourne It's the same anywhere else who's had this. But we, we particularly, um, we we I hate the word pivoted but we did um we reinvested sort of every cent we've ever we've ever had all our savings took a huge punt on the back of the government sort of saying, you know, this is what you should do and that we'll support you through JobKeeper. And, and that was really good and it's really allowed us to, to make some change. We started a, a little uh, charcuterie business um, and sort of just starting that running and, and, and uh, a pasta company as well as our sort of high-end catering company. Um, and then come this, this sort of happens again, uh, we don't have any more backup, you know, we don't have any more leeway and we don't have any more uh, ability to keep fighting. Um, so we feel a little bit. All of us are a little bit, uh, a little bit disappointed. I guess that, that that people are saying it's okay, that everything's going to be okay, that the economy is okay. Um, so even just prior to this lockdown, just those those few few cases um, have have an impact, and uh, we start to lose money. We start to put off casual employees. Uh, our, our customers cancel. They won't rebook. So this one, I mean, how's it different? I guess is for us is people don't want to rebook. We, we're getting our big banks and our big customers and our corporates saying, hey, Jerome, just to let you know, we're going to disengage you. You know, there's, there's no point doing this anymore. We've canceled four times. We've postponed three times. I'm really sorry, but at least we know now, the rest of this year, we're not doing any events. Um, and that's pretty consistent throughout public and corporate. <laughs> You know, so it's um, so yeah, our industry is in in a world of trouble up here. Mm.
1: That's yeah, it's that's really crushing to hear that. Um, I mean, I suppose you know, in some ways, especially last year, from the Victorian perspective, Queensland seemed to be living the post-COVID dream. Um, businesses had reopened. You know, I was hearing that customers were spending. Of course, catering and your exposure to the corporate market is going to be different to that more um, public-facing. Uh, regular restaurant experience um it's yeah and, and you know brisbane is now level with melbourne hey on three lockdowns i mean you had another one in january um so i guess when you keep getting these blows it's it's harder to recover each time
0: for, for sure and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of peripheral stuff in that as well that like our industry's lost a lot a lot of it's professionals. Um, a lot of people have uh, walked away from industry, and, and you can't really blame them. I mean, I've a, a very good friend and my and my head chef for, for a few years, sort of just you know wanted to get out. Um, we can't find good good qualified staff anymore. The training is not good, and how do you tell people to get into this industry? I mean, if my, I have two children. Would I would I sit there today and say you should become a hospitality professional? It'll be good for you. Like very hard call. <laughs> so I mean, based on the last twelve months, if not the years before that. Um, so so having a lack of staff, a lack of uh, quality staff and good training and support from government is is affecting the industry across the board. So the, yes, the restaurants have all been back open. We've we've had we've shown some really good signs of, of a strong economy. Um, over the past few months. You know, so so everybody's saying luxury car market, the retail's been really good. But our industry has been struggling for a long time. There's been a massive oversupply of sites in Queensland and that's due to the um, – so if, if you have to – if you build a building, your DA approval insists or did insist that you have to have ground floor retail. So every time we build a new high-rise, we've got another 40 shops underneath it that are vacant. So, of course, that means that, you know, everyone tries to open a cafe or the developers give them – uh, money to do so. So we've had a massive oversupply of uh, locations. We've had an undersupply of staffing, and then we've gone into COVID. So uh, our situation as opposed to the other states, and I'm not sure if that's consistent across Australia, but certainly we had some big problems before we went into this, um, in restaurants mm. and, and cafes. And coming out of it, I mean, it could take six years before we start getting trained professionals back into our industry if we can encourage them at all.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, look, there's there's so much... In what you're saying, there are so many different strands um, to unpick, but I think that oversupply and that, um, yeah, that that notion that every new development needs a cafe or two—that's I think that's a national um, phenomenon, and I think you know around the country, I think people would agree that in the big cities that there's definitely been an oversupply and that some kind of correction was warranted but of course nobody expected it to come like this and nobody expected it to come with these rolling waves of closures that as you say you know you, you restructure you do everything that you know you're advised to do and then you're um you're whacked again um and I think it's that, it's also that intersection between the different jurisdictions, you know, uh, vaccinations, which, um, may have helped prevent this lockdown, you know, mostly a federal responsibility. It's the state that makes the call on the lockdown, but it's the federal government that pulls JobKeeper out. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to know where to turn to ask for assistance and change yeah. as well I imagine Absolutely
0: I think that's um that's another really good point that we we it's it's not gone unnoticed that our local government and federal government are at odds and it really feels like being the um the child of a broken family up here um you know mum and dad are not getting along well and uh, both of them are saying it's the other person's responsibility whilst the child's not getting fed so we, we we're really struggling to to sort of understand um why i mean personally i think as you mentioned the the vaccine is being rolled out so in my you know simple simple mind and i'm not a doctor uh, um if we have an end date to this, if we have a vaccine rolling out and if somebody, which I imagine because I'm in business, somebody's done the projections because that's what we do in business and and I would like to think our government's doing it as well. So if we've done the projections on how long it would take to roll out a vaccine, we can see an end to this. Why are we pulling the rug out so early? Why why are we stopping JobKeeper now? Uh, I mean, is it true the vaccine's going to roll? Is it true that things are going to get back to normal? And can we put a date on that? And if so, why wouldn't we coincide that date with this financial support that we've had for the last eight months so it doesn't make any sense to me that we i mean i've got a casual james who just rang me before and said mate i really need some work i had eight hundred dollars you know 35 hours booked this week um i've lost all of that as everyone has up here we've, we've lost a lot of money um i can't pay my rent now what's he supposed to do he was on JobKeeper last week he's not this week so he goes to the dog queue and that's it's not, these are people with families. They're real, real hospitality professionals. I know James has been in the industry for 20 odd years. Um, I feel so sorry for these people that are victims of this, this decision to not support the Australian people anymore. And I think, I mean, personally, I've paid what about 31 years in industry with, with multiple businesses across that time and, and a qualified chef. I've paid millions in taxes and contributed many millions of dollars to the hoppers that's my money you know that's our money and that's James's money why isn't he getting help he, he's not sitting around not wanting to work he wants to work he's doing everything he possibly can but the situation is preventing him from working so therefore he becomes the responsibility of those people that we pay to govern us in my opinion and that's not I just don't understand why they would let all of us fail this close to the finish line if there is a finish line
1: I just I just cannot find any fault with that. I mean there is no winner from James going off to Centrelink to line up for a job seeker payment that nobody can live on.
0: No, and he wants to work, but he just can't at the moment. That's all. It's not. It's not. Uh, this is no fault of our own. I mean, James decided on an industry that's difficult, and you know, so did I. We're used to working hard. I do 80 hours a week constantly for my whole life. <laughs> it's not. It's not that we're afraid of working, or that we don't want to pivot, or that we won't do what we need to do. It's just we like right now we can't, and we need that support from government. Mm.
1: I know that James won't be alone in that position. So a statistic that I saw said that 27,636 businesses and not-for-profits not, prof- not for profits in the Brisbane area were receiving JobKeeper at, at least at the end of January, and I'm assuming that, you know, most of those businesses would have continued to, rec- you know, need that payment to to keep paying their workers. So yeah. there are going to be a lot of people hurting this week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the other consideration is that with that JobKeeper allowed us that. Um... Uh, I guess it just allowed us that little bit of security that we didn't have to keep moving forward. So in my business, we today we're having a photo shoot. We're spending another few thousand dollars we don't have as we write. You know the monthly nine thousand dollars rent check with it with a total weekly income of four hundred dollars. Um, we're reinvesting to try and pivot again to get ready for this lockdown that I think is probably coming to to put together a drive through uh, lasagna, you know, service. So uh, hiring you know red carpets and hiring. Well, actually they've been given to us from AV ideas. and so are really helpful, but just getting getting all our friends together. Put, getting photographers in and and putting together this new product literally overnight, working 24 hours a day on our marketing. Uh, And we've done this for a year now to to roll out a new product tomorrow ready for a COVID lockdown so that we can have some income. Um, The JobKeeper allowed us a little bit of time to do that because at least some of our staff were being paid. And even if there was nothing on, we could say, guys, what can we do? So it, it kept us in work which is what it was there for right as my understanding exactly what it was there for it kept us in work so I mean this this talk of people rotting the system and stuff I mean that happens everywhere that's not the point you know that's not my problem or yours and it's not James's problem um, the, the, having that basis of income allowed those staff to, to do stuff to do you know to bake bread to come up with new products to clean and reset and just to be at work and, and feel like they're doing something and trying to push forward and trying to be positive and trying to keep moving in this in this one year of downtime, Uh, once we don't have that, we can't afford to pay those people to come in and try and pivot our business or to try and find another angle or to get ready for the the next thing. It means we're on our own. We have nobody anymore. Those people are at home. So we don't get to change again. We don't get that support. And I think that's the crazy thing, taking away that as well.
1: Well, I think the, the mental impact on you as a leader and employer and on the employees that are sitting at home rather than being occupied and busy must be significant as well.
0: For sure. I mean, that meeting we had, you know, yesterday morning or the day before, wherever it was, was in my office with five guys um, just all looking at me saying, what are we going to do? So like, no one has the answer, firstly, wish I did. Um, but all we can do is to keep moving forward and um, keep working and we don't like sitting around. We're not we're hospitality workers. So for us to say, "Oh, everyone go home, have a long weekend," is all good. But you can't just watch. You can't watch it burn. You've got to do something. You've got to keep working. Um, and then that's been really successful for us. We've opened two new fledgling businesses that are both you know super high quality, handmade, good, good good stuff, and really proud of those. And they're coming along really well. And JobKeeper helped us do that because whilst whilst our business was at you know almost zero, um, we got to focus on. Pivoting, use the word. And I hate it, but <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a, it's a thing, and, and uh, yeah, so it just it's really for me. It's just really crazy that we're in this position right now, and, and it's almost like if you want a spotlight, how crazy it is. We've just had another lockdown. Um, it's not it's not gone away
1: yet. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, we're we're talking Wednesday morning. The premier's just spoken. Uh, there's been no announcement about whether or not the lockdown. That will whether or not it will be lifted on Thursday evening, as um, you know, and that would be the three days that was initially announced. I just can't imagine your mindset where you're planning for this drive through lasagna business, but also perhaps if things reopen, you're going you know back to what you were doing uh last week. I mean, how do you keep all these balls in the air? How do you keep these various different thoughts in your head? <laughs>
0: It's um it's amazing what you can get done when uh you're in fight or flight mode. Uh I mean I've I've uh, Antrim in, in our office who's doing the sort of marketing and putting this stuff together. I've just never seen anything like it. You can it's possible to pull together a really good professional photo shoot with with models and lighting and moving lights and music and, and vintage cars and, and red carpet in less than twenty four hours, if you have to. But do we have to? I don't know. We'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? And investing our own money again and our own time and just having having another punt. I don't think anyone understands the the um yeah, the the mental stress of that, the physical, emotional, um I mean I feel like I've got PTSD from last year and I'm not I'm not joking and I'm not putting um I'm not trying to sound like, you know, people with PTSD. Uh, I'm not trying to sort of, you know, minimize that or whatever. I'm just uh, – if I when I see the, the health officer's face on television, I, I feel sick. Um, I honestly feel, feel my guts churn and I feel sick and I feel like vomiting and that's just quite a few of us just trying to figure out, you know, we were buying takeaway containers at 10.30 at night online a few months ago when the, when the Prime Minister told us to go to takeaway tomorrow morning. It's like we can't – we don't have two weeks to turn that around. We means we have to do it tomorrow morning, and that's what happened again this week. So we woke up to find out that uh, our events were all cancelled that week. Um, spent the entire day talking to customers, assuring them that we weren't going to keep their money and you know doing the right thing, um, whilst trying to cancel staff and keep them in the loop. And then, yeah, it, it's, it's hard because everyone looks to us and says, What's going on? I mean, one of my customers said, I'd like lo- we maybe we can postpone. How long do you think it'll be before we're, we're able to dance again? Really you're asking me this gosh i wish i could tell you when we could open again so you know it does all, it all rests with us somehow um and that's uh that's a, that's a huge a huge weight financially and and emotionally definitely
1: well it, it is and it's i mean i know we've been living in this uh scenario in one way or another for more than a year now but if you just pull back and think that a client is asking you when would we be able to dance again i mean that is just an that's just actually an absurd and crazy question i mean who ever thought that we would be in this situation where we had to wonder whether or not we were allowed to dance
0: yeah exactly or even have that event um yeah it is yeah it is, whether you're allowed mad. to have an
1: event whether you're allowed to gather and i think you know I, i'm sitting here in melbourne uh we had Uh, lockdown in February, we, I think we tried to put that behind us as fast as we could. And I think for myself, you know, when I heard about the Brisbane lockdown, it's taken me a couple of days to reach out to, you know, yourself, to someone in Brisbane to talk about it, because I think I've got, (laughs) I'm stressed and traumatised by the very idea of another lockdown. And I think what, what it shows us is that we are all still vulnerable until we are all vaccinated. and we just aren't vaccinated. So we're very vulnerable. And I just don't think that I can deal with that.
0: No, I don't think anyone can. Um I- and and, whether, and that vulnerability comes in different ways as well. I mean, for me personally, I'm not concerned about my health or that of my children or, or, or um, you know, many people around me. Or my 95-year-old grandmother, yes. Um, but the vulnerability is, is more than just that. It's the vulnerability of, I mean, you, you don't feel well when you lose your family, you know, your home either. Or when you we, we, we were cancelling our insurances and uh, downgrading our policies and getting rid of our health insurances and just figuring out where we're going to live this time of year ago. Um, I'd been over in Vanuatu. I've got a family I look after over there. Um, sort of, you know, chari- charity-wise, and I took them over a heap of fishing gear and bits and pieces and flew back into to Australia to, to find that I was in 14 days quarantine on the very first day with, with uh, people with masks and making me sign documents and watching my, my entire business um, fold, like 200000 bucks worth of forward bookings in 24 hours whilst I was stuck in my office. And that's over a year ago for me, you know. It's not this is not small stuff and i think for anyone who sits back and goes oh it'll be okay you know we can get through this together it really makes me angry because we're not all in this together some of us are really suffering from different ways whether that be physically mentally financially the children the you know all that stuff is different so I just think it's our – basically, it's our community as human beings' responsibility to look after people um, when things are not going right. And I don't think we're doing that in hospitality and and other industries as well. I know tourism, a friend of mine, runs Lady Musgrave Experience. uh, up north, and you know, you can only imagine what they're doing today. Are we? Do we have people? Are, we, are nationals coming? Are they, are they coming from Sydney? This is supposed to be a peak time, I and mean, they're running three boats and employing God knows how many people, and the, the overheads have been incredible. And just to miss an entire season of tourism, um, you know, another one, another one. Yeah, but but are we missing it? Are we not missing it? Well, based on that, the little cross we just watched on on Facebook Live, no one knows still. Um, and I'm not saying that's their fault, but what I'm saying is it's not okay for that business to go down or for those people to lose their jobs. We can afford to to, to support people until it's over, and we need to do that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's not enough to give people half-price flights to somewhere that they're not mad, <laughs> <is>
0: it? <laughs> they can't go to. That's <laughs> a, a classic, isn't it? Yeah. It's uh, not
1: a solution.
0: No. Um, or reducing the tax on income that you're not going to have because you don't have any income was another classic.
1: It's very <laughs> it's very arm's length, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's written by people who have never been affected or aren't affected by these things. Uh, I, I'd love to see them get out and have a look and talk to people.
1: Jerome, how's that family in Vanuatu going? What's the COVID situation over there?
0: They've, they've, been, pretty, they've been pretty lucky. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't want to be in tourism there. But my my um, my friends' family, we we just we went over, and uh, my two daughters met a little local girl, um, and uh, instantly became friends. And she, they couldn't speak any the same language, of course. And she just moved in with us for two weeks when we were on holidays. And, and since when we go over there, we take her with us to other islands, and so we we kind of just um, we just look after them when we can afford to when their dad is, is doing a hard job and they've got a, a disabled child and four other kids and so they they they're always doing it hard you know but they live in an on an island where I guess you don't have to have as much money um, to survive. so i would I can't imagine how the tourism is going over there. Uh, I would say obviously at zero, zero and, and how they're surviving would be would be anyone's guess, but these guys have been sort of fishing and they they fish for a living in a little boat, so they're they're doing okay. They're just messaging us saying, when are you going to come and see us again? (laughs) What's going on over there? Why can't you come? When can we come over?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, (laughs) I mean, hopefully if, I mean, the Pacific Island's to a large degree, have done really well with COVID, yeah. um, and hopefully, when we do get to open some bubbles, you'll be able to go to Vanuatu.
0: Well, I don't think we'll be going anywhere for a while. With <laughs> um, well, everything, everything we've got is, is in these businesses, so we're um, we we're, we're we're ready to knuckle down and wanting to get on with it, but just keep getting this. Um, you know, these, these well, it's more than a speed hump, but yeah, it would be it'd be nice to get away for a little while for sure. Um, they've been very lucky, I think. They considering they had um, cruise ships coming through the terminals of Vanuatu every day leading up to that, I'm not sure how they escaped this. Wow, <laughs> like
1: that is a scary thought.
0: Almost as many people as are on the island would have gone through there in the in the three weeks prior. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's an interesting. Um,
1: Jerome, yeah. what you, I know that you're in touch with, with so many chefs working in very many different businesses in Queensland. What are some of the things that Queensland chefs are, are saying?
0: Joe, I asked that question on... Um, on a forum that we have, uh, you know, over 700 just qualified chefs that are working working in the Brisbane area. Uh, the uh, the resounding the resounding answer is um, training apprentices. Uh, you know, I mean, the, everyone's affected in the same way through COVID, and, and everyone's wondering if they're getting paid and wondering if their super's in. And those that are employers are the same as me, and those that are employees are are you know the same same. But overwhelmingly, everyone is saying. Our training is rubbish. And we've got some really great RTOs up here. Um, One, you know, particularly uh, ice, which has really good chefs working and training really, really well. But overall, there is a resounding, um, we don't have any trainees. No one's coming through the industry. We can't find anyone. What's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to this industry? And, And it takes five years to turn that ship around. If you rush it three. if you rush it, you don't get good results. So... Um, the last few years, again, we've been having issues with um, with trainees just being pushed through, with everyone just getting signed off. I mean, it just not, not being trained properly and the funding not going to the right places. So like, I think, like I said before, if my daughters, either of my daughters said they wanted to be a chef, I, I couldn't, you know, in all good conscience encourage that. Um, so what they're saying is that we need good people and, and good people and smart people have left this industry.
1: Mm. In drugs. Well, I mean that's a you say it's going to take five years to turn the ship around, but that's only if somebody steps on it you know day one right
0: absolutely if that's if it happens today, yeah, so we are getting we are getting some support with the apprentices uh but they're not getting support. So we're getting a little bit. It still doesn't I mean if I take a say a fifteen or sixteen year old um you know let's say it was me when I was a kid. So a kid from the wrong side of the tracks who, you know, had a little authority problem and was a hard worker but didn't really know what they wanted to do with themselves. And I and I turn that person into a a solid apprentice chef and give them a career, that doesn't happen easily. That's a lot of work. We I mean our guys have so much support uh, forever. I'm in touch with almost all of my apprentices over the years still, uh, everything from moving house to, to, to lending them money to, to being there when their relationships fail. It's not just that in hospital. It's not just put someone in a job and then they end up qualified. It's a huge thing. And, and for an employer to take that on and train someone properly and support that apprentice through is quite expensive and time-consuming if you get the right one. Um, so really just saying, you know, you get $1,200 at the end of six months is just... It doesn't. It's a. It's a. Love, it's a love job. <laughs> There's no one. Most apprentices. Most of the chefs are saying they don't want apprentices. It's not worth it. Um, so yeah, if you're right, if if they if someone really stepped on that today and made a change, yeah, we might be four or five years away from seeing that come through. Uh, if they keep letting us fail, the, the, there'll be no problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the industry. I mean, people need time and resources to put that work in to bring those apprentices through at a good standard and to yeah as you say nurture them in those you know uh, young years when they really need mentors and when everybody is so stretched and stressed and doesn't have um, doesn't have those those buffers, to help them through, then it's really hard to see a circumstance where somebody can invest in apprentices.
0: For sure. Uh, Their the training becomes uh, less and less effective at work and, and on uh, at the RCO if if no one's investing. Now, we we send ours to a certain, you know, to, to um, Institute of Culinary Excellence because I know those guys and I know they care, I know them as chefs. Um, but across the board, it seems like all the money's going into the top end of town and uh, I'm not going to mention names, but the bigger training organisations who you know, who own whole buildings in the city? Um, they're not. They're not looking at the big picture. I think uh, the problem again is that, that no one's looking at the small guy. That we don't have a voice. Um, we don't have enough clout to, to try and make those changes because we can tell them how it's supposed to be on the ground floor. We've got people on the ground, but they talk to the wrong people. Um, they really just need to understand how it works and make make a difference from From a ground level perspective, and I don't think anyone's been doing that for quite some time. Training training's been terrible. Uh, the financial incentives have been have been a joke. I mean, they used to get knife kits and stuff, and then everyone was, oh, no, people are selling them online and all this. went, you know, whatever. There are it's, we've got bigger problems than someone selling their apprentice knife kit online. We're talking about billions of dollars of industry. Uh, you don't see the building industry not getting. You know, oh, look, someone, you know, someone dropped a hammer, so we're going to cut the funding. Come on. Just It's it's just mad. We've got – we really need kids to come into this industry. We really need professionals to come back to it. To do that, they need to be paid properly. Um, we need to understand that they shouldn't have to work 90 hours a week for stupid money. Um, why are they not treated like every other industry? Well, It seems like we're almost the last industry left that is expected to work in ridiculous, uncomfortable, dangerous positions for 80 hours a week and not be paid for it. And that's – I'm an owner. I'm not a chef. I'm a chef by trade, but – I think it's wrong too. I'm not, I'm not screaming like unions and let's uh, – you know, the, the employer is the bad guy because I am the employer and I give my guys the best I possibly can, but I can promise everybody it's not easy to give anyone anything more. Um, I'd love to pay my guys more. I'd love to – it's not easy because it's not there. It's really tough. Taxes are high. The inputs are, are, are crazy. Um, licensing's crazy. We, we're getting, you know, we've had the foot of the government on our necks for a long time, and we've just been expected to to deal with that and keep paying tax and keep paying people properly. And uh, it's not there. The, the, the margins are, you know, at seven percent often across the board. There's no other industry that works on that uh you know the the costs. so anyone who ever does the figures on hospitality business i I just don't know why people do it get into them but there are ways to fix this and it needs to be fixed and just letting it work itself out is not one of them
1: (laughs) well i I think a lot of people would take seven percent too they're doing the industry at the moment because um i think there are a lot of people doing it even leaner um i i think it's it's to me, it's really odd that you know hospitality is such a front-facing industry, and you know, as as a country, we're supposedly so proud of it. Um, you know, proud of what we can offer the what you know to the world. You know, great cuisine, great produce, fun places to eat. It just seems such a disconnect between this shiny front face that um, is supposed to be so glorious, and then this this back end that you're talking about, this supply chain that is so broken.
0: Mm, yeah. It, it's, it is a complete disconnect. And I think the problem with that is a, a front-facing or smiling. Um, people think it looks busy. I mean, work out a coffee at $3.80, work out the cost of that. And then when you see people lining up to buy coffee, tell me, once you've done the maths... <laughs> tell me that that place is kicking ass <laughs> um, it seems good because it's busy and humming and everyone's smiling and, and you don't go out there and tell the truth that's for sure our, our industry has never told the truth we've always smiled we've always um, all of the chefs I know are the highest of ends that I talk to on a daily basis are struggling with why? Why we do this? Why? Why are we stressed? Why we're we not getting margin? Uh, you'd know their names. Everyone knows all of us. You know, uh, we're successful in industry. We're, we're at the top of the chain, and I can tell. You know, I'd be happy to open my books any day of the week, and everyone would be very surprised at how we, how lean we're running. Uh, so why? Yeah, I think I think it's that that we we've been trained to smile and uh, and be hospitable, and it's also because we don't have a direct relation to. Uh, that the peripherals, like uh, I guess tourism, being the biggest one. I mean, we we cook for government. We cook for the politicians. We, we cook for the for the wealthy. You know, we we did three three billionaires in one week in our business a few months ago at the, at their homes and, and events. Um, we look after all these people on the front, but no one's looking after us. So well, yeah, it's a, why is a really good question. I don't, I can't answer that except that it's not direct. We don't see a direct result from hospitality. It's like the the hundred one percenters that make up the whole. We're losing a lot of them, but people don't see the whole yet.
1: Yeah, Jerome, I'd love to talk more about this when you're out the other side of this particular crisis, um, because there's there's so much to talk about, and yeah, you've got. You've obviously you're deep in it, and you really care about it. So yeah, let let's talk again. Um, I wish you. All the best with the current situation. I, I I don't even know what I'm what I'm wishing. I, I guess we're wishing for an end of lockdown. But if you're still locked down, I I hope lots of people drive through for lasagna. <laughs> Thank but you. Whichever way it goes. Yeah. Power to you.
0: Thank you very much. Yeah. Look, it's just it's, we just need to survive until such time as we can get back to normal. And, and normal's not that easy either. It's hospitality, but that's all we're asking. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, take care. Yeah, appreciate. It. Thanks for chatting. Appreciate for
0: it. Cheers. Mate.
1: This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirty linen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. Nice.